I come out of the bathroom, I go to where we're sitting and my engineer is gone. I look at my notebook and he left me two pink post-its saying, I am so sorry. I cannot stay awake any longer. I need to go to church and I believe in you. Here's the instructions on how to set up the AWS AR kit on our platform. I looked at it and I was about to cry. I was about to cry, except that in my mind, I was like, this little mother is not going to dictate what the I do with my life next. You're listening to It Gets Late Early, a show about the experience of getting older in the tech industry. I'm your host, Maureen Wiley-Clough. Let's dive in. Welcome to It Gets Late Early. Today, I have a guest who I have had the pleasure of meeting in real life, IRL, in New York City. And she's here because when we were sitting at a bar in New York City, introduced by mutual friend Chloe Shoutout, I was just struck by, first of all, your energy and your vitality and your excitement about what you're doing. And also, you could not pretty much possibly be further from the stereotypical tech founder. I don't see a hoodie. I don't see you clutching your laptop. You know, you just, you're different than the average sort of trope of a tech person. So I knew when we were sitting there that I had to have you on the show because I have to hear and our audience has to hear your path to how you got to be the founder and CEO of Cut and Clarity, which is a really, really awesome jewelry company with a different mission and a different vibe from anything else out there on the market. So uh, Mariana is also a member of the Techstars Oakland class. Congratulations on that. So welcome to the show, Mariana. Thank you. Honestly, that day that Chloe introduced us, like you've been such a fun and energetic light in this <laughs> hemisphere of the tech world. And so I really appreciate Thank you. you. Thank you for having me. We got to stick together, man. And, and so anyway, please tell us, how did you find your way to tech? Like this path is not typical. Tell us about it. No, I have um, definitely don't look like your typical tech bro, for sure. <laughs> I purposely searched for what it is to be like in the, uh, what it's like to be in the tech industry and how do you get in? And that was by design. I've been in jewelry product development for 20 years and I love the work that we do. I love seeing a piece come to life from full concept on a piece of paper through all of the steps that it takes to make that piece. And I did that really well all over the world, including New York, for a long time for amazing customers, luxury brands. And I couldn't be prouder of the work that I did. And come to find out I'm pregnant. And that's when you start questioning everything that happens in your life, that is happening in your life. So this was about so 2017. Yes. Um, am I a good person? Am I making a difference for this child? What kind of world am I giving this child? And I knew that I needed her to see life and appreciate life from a perspective that she as a woman is going to be considered and her opinion matters as a daughter of an immigrant that her um, value on who she is is displayed in a positive light and so I wanted to make sure that with anything that I did that she had those two core principles and so when I think about the jewelry industry and I think about what it's like to send an email to the middle of nowhere China and have them respond efficiently, quickly with the work that I need to be done in a timely manner 
and all of these amazingly streamlined processes, I can't, I couldn't believe that I couldn't send an email to my local jeweler in New York City and do the same. And I'm trying to figure out how can that happen? How can I so confidently take business overseas and ignore the people that are my people, immigrants, uh, blue collar workers, just doing what they love. These are my people. I couldn't with a whole heart being a new mom do that to, um, to my industry. I saw myself as being more hurtful than helpful uh, by supporting customers to efficiently work. And so I said, how can I reimagine this dynamic and how can I bring back home some of the core functions that we've taken away from home and we've become such a consumer economy versus a producing economy. And I will never forget standing in the middle of nowhere, China, and I purposely sought out this market that had a bunch of knockoffs and all of these fake things. I wanted to see what it was like, and it was massive. It was an entire town. I stood there, and I saw people going into the store and coming out of the store, and I'm like, oh, my God. This is our Chinatown, but this isn't China. These people are buying their own goods. What does that mean? Like, how did we fall so far from that? And I knew that if everyone was, I knew that it, if you didn't have tech in your world, you were going to soon cease to exist in some way. And I saw that about these jewelers. I saw that at one point, New York City was one of the top five driving consumer, uh, excuse me, jewelry economies along with Rhode Island. And in the 90s, when we started producing overseas and we opened up trade with Taiwan, which eventually led to China and many, many other places, factories, uh, jewelry factories in Rhode Island that employed 6,000 people, entire towns closed down practically overnight. And I was wow. seeing myself as more part of that problem than offering any type of solution. Wow. Yeah. No, I can understand how that would hit you in your core, especially at the precipice of becoming a mother, right? Like you think, what kind of world am I bringing my kid into? And, and to your point, yeah. Do I want to be a problem or a solution, right? Part of the problem. Yeah. And so I, I imagined that all of the problems that my designers, my jewelry designers had, how do we solve them and focus on creating a product that can be profitably made in New York and efficiently made in New York. And I knew that that couldn't happen without technology. And so my first foray was into creating this ideal company that can use technology to supplement what you would have to do physically in person. So that was really my the idea of like, if jewelry is going to survive and we're going to create industry in America, then we have to absolutely leverage technology in any capacity for any audience, for any industry. And I didn't think that jewelry was the exception. You're totally right. I mean, I kind of joke about this often, like what isn't tech now, right? Like everything's tech. And if you're not using tech, you're going to cease to exist. So that does not exclude jewelry to your point. No, so not at all. Hey, quick break here. If you or anyone you know are looking for a new tech job and you're aiming for a company that understands the value of experienced workers, sign up for our email list where we'll send you jobs from companies that we hand select as a fit for tech employees over 40. Go to itgetslateearly.com and add your email. Now back to the show. 
And so I started figuring out like, what does this texting look like? And it's very funny because I didn't know who Techstars was back then. But in 2017, I found out about this um, hackathon that they were hosting. It was called (laughs) Startup Weekend. So you basically show up and you pitch a company, join a company, or, you know, and the joining can be like as a designer or as a technical component, whatever it was. And so I joined and we were talking about something that I'm also very passionate about, a socially driven company. And the focus was on uh, engaging more people in their local elections as local elections affect us individually more than the national elections. But as you know, most people aren't even aware when their local elections take place. And so that was my introduction into what it's like to be in the tech world. I hung out with a bunch of 20 year olds as a (laughs) 38 year old, 39 year old. And um, I I hadn't seen them besides like late night in the club when I ventured out. (laughs) And, um, I hung out all weekend with these kids that like had this fresh perspective on the world in in a very different way than I've seen it because fashion industry, the jewelry industry, uh, manufacturing industry, all of these industries that I had been exposed to are very slow to adapt anything. These industries are more about exclusion and um, using exclusion to raise their own, you know, to elevate themselves. So and true, so, especially luxury, right? It's like exclusive, only a certain subsector of the society, very small sliver can actually get it, right? Right. And those are the kinds of customers that I had, the really high-end couture, uh, couture clients, design clients, luxury jewelry, all of that stuff. And when I joined this startup weekend that I had no expectations, I was so impressed by everyone's frame of mind, nothing felt impossible. Everybody had their superhero capes on and coming from (laughs) manufacturing, that is a whole different perspective. (laughs) That's such a good point. (laughs) You don't see that in the factory. Yeah. You're totally right. Yeah. So I joined the startup weekend. I kind of like, you know, was shuffled along with the crowd. I didn't know what I was doing, but I kind of met these really fun people who I'm still in touch with today And I I was like, next time I'm going to join something, but I'm going to pitch my jewelry company. And so I did that. I found out about something called Angel Hack. They're an organization that does all of these hackathons around the country. And I met the one guy at the Techstar Startup Weekend. And he emailed saying, hey, we're having this hackathon at AWS in Soho. Would you like to come join us? I was like, great, let me go. And I was like, so this is just me in a nutshell, like fish out of water. It's kind of where I thrive, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, I went to the AWS. I had no idea what to expect. At this point, I have a baby. She's still, I'm still breastfeeding. She's super oh. little, maybe like three months old. And oh I said gosh. to my husband, I'm just going to join this. I don't know how long I'm going to be, but can you bring Mika over to Soho and, you know, just take her a walk within like, you know, however many hours she needs to feed next. I'll feed her and maybe I'll come home with you. I have no idea what this is going to be like. <laughs> so I went in, we had the instructions. It was a massive hackathon. There were about 200 participants because I had no idea. The prize oh, was given by Microsoft into their blockchain accelerator. <laughs> I was like, what is blockchain by yeah. the way? <laughs> and do I want to know it? 
do I want to know it? That's amazing. Yeah. And that's kind of like, uh, like every time I discover something, I don't know, like, what is that? And am I interested in it? So I'm like, okay. Then the next, so they talked about the prize. They talked about how to pitch. Are you a CEO or are you a, um, a tech person, a design, are you an engineer or designer? These are the buckets we're, you know, going to group you guys in CEOs here, you know, get your pitch ready. Everybody that wants to join will raise their hands. People are pitching, you know, FinTech, this, that, anything that sounds amazing. AI. That, you know, yeah, <laughs> not yet, but not like, yet. Oh VR, yeah, this was a while back. <laughs> yeah, this is 2017. So VR, AR, um, and, you know, and Amazon has their uh, AR kit that they were pushing out. So anything AR, everybody was excited about. Um, what else? And so I'm like, I don't even know what these acronyms mean. But anyway, <laughs> I stood up there. I pitched my company. I said, we are the premier destination for customizable fine jewelry, sustainably made in New York. And we're looking for people to build out our, and then I listed a bunch of things that I had like no idea were even relevant <laughs> or not. Lo and behold, I got two lonely people ready to join my team, one of which I already knew from Startup Weekend. Everything else was people heard jewelry and there was crickets in the room. I totally I saw say. the tumbleweed yeah. flying past <laughs> my face. Nobody was interested. Nobody was interested. I can but only imagine the scene. That sounds hysterical. I formed my team. And after the teams were formed, I must have somehow missed this, but I didn't know that this was a 48 hour concurrent hackathon. You didn't like you, you don't eat, you don't home. sleep. Well, they brought food in pizza and <laughs> I didn't even know something that I was not even hungry at that point. Cause I was like, fuck, how am I sorry? Am I allowed to say that? You can swear on this podcast. It's an open. <laughs> okay, open good. I swear a lot. <laughs> Um, okay, I was like, Bring how am I going to feed my baby? And then I called my <sighs> husband immediately and I was like, listen, this is the deal. You're going to have to bring her for every feeding. He's like, I'm down, <laughs> whatever you need. Oh, so that's good. I went ahead. I fed my daughter. I nursed her. I went back to my team. And I said, this is what we're going to build. We had to use um, AWS and we had to write one single line of code. And we are up at this point. We decided, you know, what the company is going to look like, the UI, the UX. Now it's all resting on this 19-year-old student who has to code this one line, just one line. And we decided we were going to create an AR experience where after you design your jewelry, you'll be able to try it on. And all he had to do is have one single line of code. Amazon had, AWS had the um, AR kit that they were like really pushing out. Now it's three in the morning. I'm waiting. I'm like, hey. I have to go feed my daughter. My husband just brought her literally to Soho at three in the morning. I'm in a bathroom nursing her. <laughs> and when I come out of the bathroom, I give her to my husband. I'm like, okay, 9 a.m. tomorrow, we're pitching. This was now Sunday. I was like, we're pitching. And so like, as soon as we pitch, like, I'm going to get out of here. My team will stay to see if you know, we even win. We probably are not even, I, at this point, I figured out what blockchain was. I said, like, we're probably not a good fit, but this is a great experience. <laughs> I come out of the bathroom, I go to where we're sitting, and my engineer is gone. I look at my notebook, and he left me two pink post-its saying, I am so sorry, I cannot stay awake any longer, I need to go to church, and I believe in you. Here's the instructions on how to set up the AWS AR kit on our platform. 
I looked at it and I was about to cry. I was about to cry, except that in my mind, I was like, this little motherfucker is not (laughs) going to dictate what the fuck I do with my life next. And so I went ahead and I finished the presentation. I kept working on it. 9 a.m. comes, all the judges, it was an amazing group of judges, come in, amazing experience, and they're ready to pitch. I was like, there's no, I was like, what am I going to do? There's, I want to meet this person. Uh, at this time, she was, uh, you know, doing all these amazing things with marketing, had worked with Outdoor Voices, had worked with all of these amazing wow. companies, and I needed to meet her. And so I spoke to the founder of, well, the person running the hackathon, I was like, listen, this is what happened. However, I need to meet Grace. I have to meet her. I was like, I would love to pitch, even if I'm not available to win the prize. I I really want to pitch. And so he's like, look, I don't know that's going to be possible. Everyone has a really tight schedule. I was like, I promise I will be under time. I will stand around and wait and just jump in whenever you say that we have an extra second. And that's what I did. And I pitched and I said, hey, I know that I'm not eligible for the prize, but Grace, I would love for you to understand what we're doing. And I pitched the company and she loved it. And then she came on as an advisor. <laughs> that is, I mean, there's a lot to unpack from that story, but I mean, talk about talk about a person with an indomitable spirit and like a can-do attitude. That was definitely you. I love that you outlasted like a 19-year-old who to go home even though you're like breastfeeding your baby that's that's phenomenal that's really incredible i love that story. yeah i mean i went to college too happen. and i definitely was not sleeping at 3 a.m when i was 19 i'll tell you that we were out <laughs> we were out and having a great time again you're not the traditional tech founder i love it and definitely i love that you didn't not. let anything stand in your way and you made the pitch and you secured the advisor that's incredible that is so so yeah. cool and i think that from there the biggest takeaway that now let's say, I don't know, you know, five years in, six years in that I have is that the least important part of any business is the actual technology. The most important part of the business is what the actual business serves and does for people and the value that it creates. And for me, with Cut and Clarity, my focus on domestic manufacturing is to create work for the people that matter, which are these bench jewelers that create beautiful pieces of art every single day that people don't even understand what they're doing. I think people think you, you place an order for a piece of jewelry, someone in some far off land presses a button in some style vending machine and out pops your piece. And that's just not the way it goes. And I, I just love that jewelry is such a manual process and it's so far removed from technology where you press the button and something is built but you actually have to dirty your hands and you feel it and you touch it. And I think that that's lacking a lot in our world today. It a hundred percent is in a land of 3d printers galore and outsourcing. Like this is a really special company. Do you have a work issue you just can't seem to solve? Ann Morris and Francis Fry want to help you. They're leadership coaches who have solved problems at some of the world's biggest companies. Now they're sharing their expertise with you on their podcast, Fixable. No dilemma is too big or too small. Call 234-FIXABLE to fix your issues in 30 minutes or less. Really. Once again, that's 234-FIXABLE. And don't forget to tune into Fixable to hear their problem solving in action. Back to the show. Can you tell us a little bit more about the mission behind Cut and Clarity and just the company itself and the types of products that you put out there? I know it's fine, artisanal, bespoke, jewelry, all of that, but give us a little bit more. 
Yeah. So I have Cut and Clarity as a brand and the brand's mission is to create conversation around things that and people that are having these human experiences that we otherwise wouldn't consider. Like I said, fashion is so exclusionary and it's always about, you know, reaching when I grow 10 inches because I'm five foot zero, when I grow 10 inches and I lose a hundred pounds and then I, re, you know, age oh backwards God, 20 so years, then maybe I can buy this amazing piece of jewelry. And I didn't want my daughter to know that. And so Cut and Clarity, we are, our tagline is real women, real stories, real jewelry. I'm over the disposable economy. Everything is made in gold and the prices are not astronomical. Our prices start at $75, customized, made in New York, and then go up. But they're made by, you know, I, I say, I envision a world in which the value that we place on goods has as much to do with the actual thing that we're buying, but also as much to do with how our purchase affects our community. And I didn't want to be living in New York City, partying in New York City, doing all of these things in New York City and have the people that I work with um, have to live an hour and a half, two hours away because they can't make enough money to live where they work. And so the mission of Cut and Clarity as a, as a whole is simple, is to just drive value in people. And with the direct-to-consumer brand that I have, um, that's exactly what we do. We share stories of real women that are going through real life things in the hopes that some piece of that human experience you will be able to connect with and want to commemorate in solid gold. And buying the solid gold product actually uh, brings work to these people that I so connect with and love. That's beautiful. And honestly, it sounds very antithetical to the traditional tech founders ethos, right? Where it's like, I'm going to give people these options that will never really come to fruition in the way in which people hope, but I'm going to sell them this dream. And it's, you know, it's a promise is very unlikely to be delivered. And you're talking about making sure that your employees don't have to live an hour and a half outside of the city, that they can have a real great life too. Like you care about your people and you care about the consumer and you care about the industry. And I just think that's all too rare. I appreciate that. But now you know why nobody wanted to join my company when I pitched it. <laughs> yeah. They're um, like, wait, so, this isn't a rocket ship, Mariana? I don't want to get on. No, I mean, look, uh, I'm sure people would love, I think that everybody strives for that unicorn. Like I built a business in two months and sold it at a billion dollar valuation and <laughs> I didn't even work a day in it. And that's just not my trajectory. I'm a very tactile person. I love being in a factory. I love touching things. Um, and so I'm trying to figure out how I marry those two worlds because like my world can't exist without adapting. My manufacturing world can't exist. And I just love these people too much to ignore that. Um, so that's what I'm doing on the brand side. On the actual business side, we're creating a marketplace, an ecosystem. I'm currently calling it a matchmaking service that connects jewelry designers with local makers. And the point of this is to really bring the industry into what is now most desirable. And I get why. So basically bring jewelry makers and introduce them to the gig economy. I, after we out, thank you. After we outsource so much labor of jewelry, um, the factories in New York city, which we have many of have been reduced to small workshops and even smaller. We now have independent 
assemblers, stone setters, polishers, and my customers prior to me even thinking about starting um, Cut and Clarity as a brand, I was a consultant and I had a consulting business for over 12 years. And I supported designers to go from concept to full commercialization. I did every step of the way for them and, you know, came on as their like fifth man on their team because there's never enough money in our industry. We're a super cash intensive um, industry. Um, and so the focus of Cut and Clarity was the new focus of our platform is to really create technology, a software that can replace me so I can service more customers. And those customers are folk, their product is going to be a product that's prop that can be properly be made in New York City, which is this other jewelry category called gold other, not watches and not engagement rank. And that is a $35 billion TAM domestic wow. only. And so Jeez. there's a big there's a big opportunity for this to support people. And I think that as we are supporting brands, because brands paid me a lot of money to help them find these manufacturers, we get to also support the industry and create a pipeline of talent to continue and grow the the work. Wow. That is so cool. I mean, I, I just, I feel like, especially the way in which you've architected your company, I, I would think based on the pricing that I've seen out there in the market, that it would be unattainable for the average person. And I love that you've taken it and made it something that we could actually tap into at a price point that's pretty accessible and, and that you're flipping sort of the, the luxury sort of market and the way in which people view fashion on its head by doing all of this, which is just super cool. And I love it. So thank you. Thank you for doing that. Um, I want to be able to access these things. I like yeah, nice I things, Mariana. Yeah, it's really cool. Same. Yeah, I mean, I live in New York City. I like nice things. I work in jewelry. <laughs> I mean, jewelry is my muse. The reason I do yeah. everything is because I love jewelry so much. It's just that moment that makes you feel so special. It's like in, encapsulating a moment in time, like immortalizing a memory. Yeah. And that for me means a lot because of my immigrant experience. I did not grow up with family. It was just, I'm the youngest of three. So it was the five of us all alone, all the time. And my grandmother always sent me little pieces of jewelry engraved with my initials mm -hmm. or uh, my birthstone or something. And on the back or at some part of the jewelry, she always wrote, tu abuela y tu abuelo, your grandfather and your grandmother. And those pieces will mean so much to me. And I mean, so cool. this is, yeah, this is why, why I do it. That's really incredible. I absolutely love that. Speaking of your immigrant background, can you tell me more, like, what has it been like? I mean, for example, I know that the funding mechanisms for people in tech are, you know, venture capital and that sort of a, a, an engine. And I know that even today in 2023, the funding percentages for, for women founders, I think I read was 2.3% of all venture capital funding is, is going to women. I think early on after my experiences, uh, you know, at these startup weekends and just having conversations, I really submerged myself in what the tech ecosystem was, whether I belonged or not, whether my company was interesting to them or not. I just needed to learn. And so for me, very early on, it was clear that I probably was not a fundable business. I wasn't fintech. I definitely was not on blockchain. I wasn't even thinking about AI. And there was nothing that was going to advance any technology that I knew how to do that was going to be interesting. And so I decided very early on that I was going to be a really strong business and I was going to fund myself because now I'm 
40, I've worked for 20 years. My husband has worked for 20 years and we own an apartment and we were lucky enough to, you know, have a lot of equity. And so I basically figured out how do I self fund this thing? And that's what I did. And I, you know, have had discussions on panels, like on a Samsung Next panel, which is like an accelerator that we have here about how not all money is the same. And when I had this conversation, I was not even thinking about that I would ever be in a position to raise money. And so I was all about, we are underrepresented founders. It's going to be the hard way. We're going to do it this way. But guess what? We have the grit and determination to do it even more so than these lazy tech people because they just have it all served on a silver platter. And I know what it's like to not have anything served on a silver platter and go out and find it. So I've been on this panel and I had this conversation. Fast forward, I realized that you know, if you put yourself in a position where you have the upper hand in fundraising, it's a totally different story. However, like you said, fundraising, yeah, fundraising for women, non-technical, not a traditional tech company, and a person that does not look like the person writing the check is going to be extremely, extremely difficult. And so I decided to focus specifically on who I am and what I bring to the table with my experience. And I found my way back to Techstars. And I think that organizations like Techstars are invaluable for people like me, but for people that are now thinking about how life cannot go on without technology. And I think that they're doing a great job at supporting what the future of technology needs to look like. Um, so I have not gone out and traditionally raised. I don't plan on doing it just yet. I will finish uh, my Techstars cohort in January. And I will raise a friendly fa- uh, friends and family, which I have in part almost already committed. And I think that that's just the right trajectory for me as a underrepresented woman, immigrant, mother, I guess, older person in my 40s. You got all of them. (laughs) Yep. Mm -hmm. I am banking and betting on myself. I'm betting on my networks. I'm betting on who I am as a person, like that fish out of water. Like I can walk into a room and just, I will be intimidated, but you won't see that, right? That's my defense mechanism. And so that's what I'm banking on. And so I do plan because I will have a traditional tech company eventually. It'll be a full out straight, you know, software that needs all of this capital to grow. But I plan on positioning myself in a way that when I'm ready to say, hey, now that I've nurtured you as a relationship, you get to see who I am. You get, you have been part of my ride. Hey, let's talk about how together we can grow this. And I think that that's how I think about fundraising. I think a big part of that was innate in me. And now a lot part of that is everything that I'm learning from Techstars. Wow. That's, that's such an incredible story. I'm just so moved by it. And I know our audience will be too. So, so thankful that you're sharing it with us. What about people who want to find themselves in a similar place? People who want to join this sort of uh, startup ecosystem, this sort of incubator type thing. What would you advise them on how to actually get there? I think finding the available opportunities. I have applied to a million programs. I actually applied to Techstars three times and I got rejected twice. If I got rejected a third, I'd apply a fourth. 
I've applied to Y Combinator. But then when I found out the ethos of Y Combinator, it was, you know, it just wasn't for me. But apply, apply, apply. Find the things that are good for you um, and leverage that. And actually, I think that telling your story, no matter where it comes from, has been really invaluable. A lot of people have found me from some kind of obscure, random publication that I might have like shared two tidbits about myself in. And now they're, you know, however many years later, they want to have a conversation. So I highly recommend on leveraging your network. I highly recommend on figuring out what resources are out there. But then do a stock take. Create like a dump. Hey, this is all of my network. These are all of the resources I found. And study how you want to invest your time as much as you would study how much you want to marry this person. Because I think that everything (laughs) is going to be a little part of your journey. And um, if you align yourself especially an investor, right? I know like I'm getting ahead of that, but if you align yourself with an investor that you're literally sharing a bed with because this is your business and then it doesn't work out, I think that that's a very, very difficult pill to swallow as well as with a co-founder, right? But yeah, I think that there's a million resources out there. You, There will be resource fatigue, but find <laughs> the top ones and make an effort every single month to apply to, I don't know, two or three until you start moving in the direction that you're like, oh, this network has like this interesting person or this interesting feature and kind of like build your own little ecosystem and build your own network that way. I love that. And, you know, I think that's one of the things that the richness that you create for yourself as you get older and more experienced, right? You you pull different people from different parts of your life together and they make your life richer, fuller. And in many ways, they might offer you more opportunity than maybe you would have had access to in the past. So that's one of the things that I know has personally been really, really fruitful for me as I've gotten older. I don't have a choice in getting older, so I might as well like, take advantage of what it brings, right? So yeah, I, mean, um, I love getting older and part of getting great? older that I love. Yeah, a part of it is that one, I don't give a fuck, and yeah. two, I can't wait till I'm ninety, okay? And I'll no do fucks forties. That's what I call these. The no fucks forties. So yeah, yeah, ninety oh, is going to be sick. The club, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm forty one now. I think I, I think I got you beat a little bit, right? Yeah, it's, just um, by one. It's, just by one. It's it's nice out here. I don't know. I'm like I'm sick of hearing all this bullshit. It's not true. It does not get worse. It gets better. Like I'm done with this like anti aging, afraid of aging situation. Like I'm out. I'm out on it. I I hear you. I hear you. But I was saying what I love about getting older is that I I consider myself a collector of um, crystal, of uh, China, jewelry, (laughs) handbags, shoes, but people. Most of all, people. I love my menagerie of my amazing friends and humans that contribute to my life in so many ways so richly. And I think that if I took, I took that mentality and I kind of applied it to work um, because I had a horrible experience working for a fashion brand. It was the devil wears product on steroids. I lasted nine months before I flung my chair at my boss and quit. And (laughs) I since then said, fuck that. I'm never working for somebody or doing something that doesn't like light a fire in me. And I was able to collect and literally the day after I quit, I had a lunch date set up with an old customer and they're like, we wanted to ask you to come on board. I can't believe it. I said, how about I consult? I was like so raw and beaten down. I was like, let me consult for you. And that's how I like, 
<laughs> yeah. And it was like a great time for me. And that's how I kind of built up my menagerie of amazing clients. And that's, I've kind of started like keeping this like, um, you know, not list, but like just surrounding myself with people that just truly enrich my life, both work-wise and personally. That is awesome. I feel the same way about life and just how, and you kind of cull the fat a little bit. Like you, you cull the group down over time. You're like, is this person adding to my life? Are we helping one another? Are we getting better together? You know, there's that whole adage about your, you know, the, the average of the five people you hang out with the most. Right. And, and you just think more quality over quantity over time. And it's been, it's been really great for me too, getting older. I've loved that aspect of it. And I'm so pumped to have you among my, friends now. It's like awesome that we happen to have met. And I'm just, I'm really inspired by you truly. Like you are really an incredible human. And I love that what you're doing out there is actually making the world better instead of worse, which is lovely. I wish Thank we had you. more I really appreciate that. I really be the gold that. standard. Like let, let's change the game. Like I love that. So thank you for, for actually taking that on and, uh, and bringing forward great jewelry too. Like where can people find your jewelry by the way? Yeah, you can shop Cut and Clarity at cutandclarity.co. You can find us on Instagram at cutandclarityco, Twitter, all the good stuff. We're going to link all of that in the show notes. And Mariana, thank you so much for being here. This has been so much fun. Not quite as fun as when we were in New York City together, but we will do that again in the future. You'll have but to come just, back and I'm coming to I, Seattle. I, I just think that you're tremendous and such an inspiration to people everywhere. So thank you for what you're doing and making a difference. Maureen, you're the best. I love getting to know you and I just love knowing you more. And I think that what you're doing is so important. So thank you. Thanks for joining us today at It Gets Late Early. I hope this episode was insightful and entertaining. Now, before you go, if you're old and work in tech, just like me, I have something really cool for you. We're putting together a job board specifically for seasoned tech workers, where we'll curate the best opportunities for experienced tech talent. If you want a place to look for work where you can trust there won't be so much bias in the hiring process, go to itgetsleteearly.com and sign up so you'll be the first to know when we launch it. Thanks and see you next time.